Welcome, screensavers. I'm Michael Gallup. I'm Matt Sturdivant. I'm Tyler Sutkus. Together, we host the Silver Screensavers podcast, and today we are discussing the first film of Phase 5 of the MCU, the 31st MCU film overall, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania. We're going to get right into it today. This is about Ant-Man, or Scott Lang, who has become complacent in his ordinary life in San Francisco before he... The Wasp, or Hope, and their family become trapped in the quantum realm, where they run afoul of friends and foes, old and new. This is directed by Peyton Reed, uh, who previously did the other Ant-Man movies, and has had a, a very varied and interesting career. He did Bring It On, he did Down With Love, The Breakup, that Vince Vaughn, Jennifer Aniston comedy, and Yes Man, the Jim Carrey movie where he has to say yes to everything. That is one of my all-time I-want-this-movie-done-over movies because, like, I like it. It's not bad, but just for the concept and for the comedic potential of Jim Carrey, I wanted a little bit better movie. But we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about Quantumania. So we'll start with Matt. Matt, what did you think about Quantumania? I, I, um... I'm conflicted about going first on this one because I know it's all downhill from here. Yes, it is. So here's what I'm going to say. I struggle to call this a movie that I liked. I liked bits and pieces of it. I did get some chuckles here and there. But I, I felt largely bored by most of it. I didn't feel super strongly negative towards it either. Um... I don't think it was totally irredeemable, but the biggest positive I want to give it before I'll let you guys take over on the negatives, because I'm probably not going to be able to disagree too much with you. Uh, I'm really still really excited for Jonathan Majors as Kang, and I think this movie, granted it mostly happens later in the film, but I think it the character... Is that is set up in this movie? I'm really excited to see where Jonathan Majors goes with this character because it is such. It could be. It's such an opportunity, such potential for him to show show off his range as an actor going forward in the MCU. And unfortunately, his introduction, his film introduction, is kind of in not the best movie. But I'm I'm still optimistic for the future of the MCU. All right, Tyler, I can tell that you have so much pent-up energy, so release it. You know, I gotta say, I'm the, I'm the resident MCU hater on this pod, but I do have to give this movie credit, because this movie was garbage, even for the MCU standards. This movie was absolute dog... <laughs> you can blank bleep that, I don't care, I need to say it. This movie, from every single aspect, the the performances were terrible everyone was phoning it in with this film no one got a good arc paul rudd was awful michael douglas literally just did one-liners the whole time the uh catherine newton who i love in the movie freaky that's one of my like um like underrated movies like i love that movie and i think it's really underrated so i know she can do better and she was awful in this Jonathan Majors was alright. I wasn't really digging his accent that he was doing for Kang. I thought it came off a little cheesy at times. But he's definitely one of the stronger ones. Michelle Pfeiffer was carrying this movie. She was alright. She was okay. But I just gotta say, the writing of this movie 
horrendous. Just some of the worst imaginable. It was all just the MCU leaning into cringy jokes like they did with Love and Thunder, but I didn't chuckle once, I didn't smile, I did not find one joke that I didn't roll my eyes at. It was so bad. Terrible writing. The plot was awful. It was so boring to keep track of. I didn't care about it. The movie forgot Evangeline Lilly's character of the Wasp was even in it. Yes. And they forgot she was supposed to be a character until at random points, like, oh yeah, let's let's have her just pop up. Bill Murray comes in for like a cameo that might be the worst cameo of all time. <laughs> he is awful in this. You could have cut his part so easily. I don't know why that was included. <laughs> and just oh my god, I'm <laughs> I'm angry now. This movie was just awful, straight up terrible. If I see a movie worse than this this year, I will be depressed. I will be depressed. I don't think I can go to the movies anymore if there's worse than this this year. This is pushing my patience. This franchise needs to die. It is a shambling corpse right now. I know it is bloated with money, but it is so sad to me that I live in a world where not only does a movie this crappy get made, but the fact that this is one of the few movies that is actually making big money. That is sad. Disney... Bring this thing, bring this franchise out back and old yeller it because it's past time. If this is what you're gonna put into this movie with this terrible CGI, was there one practical set in this movie? I, I think it was filmed entirely on a green screen. And if that's what you're gonna bring with these performances and these stale characters, just stop. Stop doing it. Yeah. I don't care about the money. Yeah. F- the graphic designers, they don't count. Well, no, they're underpaid they're, yeah, and exactly. given, like, no time. So That's them, terrible. Right? <laughs> no, not at all. But if you're not going to pay them to put, give you a good product, then don't do it. You're not paying them well. You're forcing them to do all this work for this crap. Like, this looks terrible. It, it's awful. There's times where it legitimately looked like they were standing in front of a green screen. Just, oh my god, such a terrible movie. And don't get, even get me started on... Some of the characters that look ridiculous and every time they're on scene just make the movie feel like I'm watching a Spy Kids film. We're going to get there for sure. So as the as the resident middleman of I, I want to try to like the MCU and I can rarely, rarely get there. Tyler, I don't disagree with one single thing that you said. If I'm being honest... I despised my viewing experience of this movie. I don't remember the last time I wanted a movie to be over this badly. I don't remember giving up on a movie so quickly. I was like 10 minutes and I was done. Tyler, I turned to you and I'm like, I, like, I can't do it. Like, this is bad. And, yes. you know, okay, we got like an hour and 50 left. Let's see. And no, no, the whole thing just played to me like a bad Star Wars knockoff, right? It's this huge space odyssey, but unlike Star Wars, the story is not great and the elements just don't come together. There's some cool creature design and stuff like that, but it, it's there's no cohesion. It was similar to how I felt about Monkey Bone, believe it or not, in that it's a bunch of random character designs. It's like some of them on their own are all right, but there's no unity to it. And also Kang at certain points, maybe because I was just already thinking about it, at certain points I was like, he just feels like Darth Vader right now, but doesn't even have the cool helmet. 
I did think Jonathan Majors was good, and we'll we'll talk more about that. But is I I did not like this at all. It was unfunny, unexciting. It was borderline incomprehensible, and I want to talk about that. It's disjointed, and it went on way too long. Everything is just lowest common denominator, especially the humor. It's it's beyond broad appeal. The Marvel Cinematic Universe strives for broad appeal, and it's successful sometimes. Like the Spider-Man films, uh, Black Panther, the Avengers, they have broad appeal, and they're great. Everything in this one just feels lazy. It took the MCU tone, the snappy comedy, which leads into emotional swells, but it did not fill in the Mad Lib. It's just the outline of an MCU film with nothing filled in. It's trying to be the best of both worlds with being a standalone film, which I appreciated the effort, okay, and serving the larger multiverse project, which I care about less and less with every... It's just like... The mythology is too much. And if that's like a not a fair critique to put on a movie that is all about mythology, then okay. But it's just the more and more about the multiverse in this universe and that version of that character. It's just like too much to take in in one movie, right? This this barely felt like a film. I know this is a chapter in an ongoing series, but it felt more like a television episode in the middle of season four of a show that I don't already don't like. The implications were both not large enough and way too reaching. Like I said, I tried to care about the MCU last year, but they didn't have the best year. However, I liked all three of those films, Doctor Strange, Black Panther, and Love and Thunder, more than this. I w- Tyler, I made the same exact note. I will be very upset if I see a movie this year that I like less than this. I have no doubt that I'll see a movie worse than this, but I think I'll enjoy the worst movie more than I enjoy this, if that makes yes. sense. And this had Michael Douglas and Michelle Pfeiffer in it. It was so depressing but to me. Michael Douglas was literally reduced to just lines like, ants. That was his yes. whole role. Just like, ants. Yes. Or, I'm a big ants. He said ants so many times. I just want to read this one thing because we're. I'm going to talk in a minute about sort of like the the broad appeal aspect of these movies going forward as it gets more and more complicated. But so I was scrolling through the audience reviews of Rotten Tomatoes just to see kind of what people were thinking. And a lot of people liked it. I think this has like 84 or something. I'll check in a second. But I did find this one review that I think sums it up pretty well. This is from Melanie C. So thank you to Melanie. She said... I typically love Marvel movies and enjoyed the prior Ant-Man movies. This one just didn't come together for me. Jokes fell flat. Pace was at times dragging. A lot of inconsistencies that were obvious and bothersome. A lot of the effects just seemed silly and ridiculous. Meant to be funny, but just didn't pull it off. Too many ideas stuffed into one movie and tried to explain away with one or two lines of dialogue. I went with three other major Marvel fans, and we all came out disappointed. So I thought that was a nice, succinct way of wrapping up my thoughts. So if anybody knows Melanie C., or if Melanie C. is listening, shout us out at ScreensaversPod on Instagram and Twitter. I'll shut up for now. Matt, what do you got to say? Well, I I mean, I think she put it pretty well as far as how I felt about the movie, too. Um, and, and going back to what you said, kind of comparing it to, like, an episode of like a season four of a tv series and i mean essentially that's more or less what the mcu has become 
except in in a film format and i think my sentiment toward it is yeah this wasn't great but like many a filler episode of a popular tv series or a tv series i like i'm not ready to or even a few you know filler episodes i wasn't a fan of i'm not ready to give up on the whole project just yet I realize that the stakes are a little different when you're talking about going to see a film because, you know, you're paying money each time you go to see a movie. So if it's lackluster, you you know, you feel kind of bummed out that you just paid to see this movie and it wasn't that great. It was essentially the film equivalent to a filler episode of TV. But again, I'm still feeling optimistic about it. We'll see how I feel come next major MCU film, but... Um, that's kind of ultimately where I landed on it. Yeah, and I I don't disagree with what you just said. My kind of annoyance is that it's always like, oh, future, 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 next time, next time, next time, next time. And it's like, okay, but like this is a movie that I went to see for two hours and didn't enjoy one minute of the two hours. Do you know what I'm saying? Like this as a movie... I did not enjoy, right? The other ones might be fine. We'll talk about them. But it's just like, I don't I, I don't want to go, oh, I'm having hope for this in the future or that because it's just not here yet. And we just saw this movie. And like, if this movie is like a filler episode, I don't I just, I don't know if I can yet get behind that I in mean, movie format. I mean, the thing is, we know what the MCU has produced previously. So it's, I mean... The ground, you know, the groundwork took a while to set up in the previous movies. Granted, those ones were be- there were a lot more better standalone films in that's yes, that that's saga. What I would say. But I mean, there's also Thor: The Dark World, which, granted, in comparison, really doesn't seem too bad these days. Yeah, you're right, but... and I'm like, I'm not trying to insult the whole thing by insulting this movie, and I'm not even trying to insult this movie. I'm just saying what I thought, but I. Tyler, you go. Tyler, you go. I just I just want to mention your point, Matt, and you kind of touched on it too, Mike, about how well the MCU did it before. And I think the MCU did the Thanos saga well by kind of pushing Thanos to the back and kind of building it up in the background of these standalone movies that were good alone, but, you know, there was a thread running through it, and then they had the Avengers to kind of combine all those threads and put them through. There were some failures during that saga. I'm not saying it was perfect, but I think that was a much better storytelling way than what they did because, you know, you were waiting for that moment where this all came together. And you were kind of... But you were still excited to see the other stories and just kind of see how they tied in. This one, now, what we're getting is a bunch of disjointed stories that are not good, by the way, like of standalone films. And then all of a sudden, they're like, now we're just going to throw the big bad in in this film. So, like, I feel like I'm watching filler episodes and then a very rushed episode of like well here's the bad guy now you need to be scared of him Mm. like it was good to kind of have thanos in the background where you're kind of waiting for him to appear and that was good storytelling decent standalone films with that threat kind of looming coming towards you in the background this one is just not there at all and then all of a sudden it's there yeah in the current like phases yeah i could i could see it being jarring especially for people that haven't been following it as long as we have yes yes you're absolutely right and tyler i i just want to piggyback on your point for a sec take the example of like iron man 3 which 
feels very standalone, especially certain storylines do have larger implications, but as far as watching experience, feels like its own individual thing. I like Iron Man 3, though. I don't know where you guys are in it, but I enjoyed that just as, like, a couple-hour entertainment. Whereas this, like, I just don't know if I can yet get behind the idea that we are going to the movies to get information to go back to the movies again later, right? And I know that a lot of people enjoyed this as an individual entry, right? It is going for, like, this epic, like I said, space odyssey adventure. It's not in space it's in the quantum realm but it, you know it has the space kind of thing i just i i just found no value in the individual story personally as as an odyssey though i do want to bring back to your point of how the mismatched like character element like character designs nothing felt cohesive at all in this like it felt like they just raided a savers and just made the costumes <laughs> off what they could just find like there was no thing like some people were just humans other people were like weird aliens that look like Star Wars rejects. I was so confused. The half of them had to be like rejected Star Wars designs, like well, the slime monster with. I thought the holes. same thing when I was watching the movie. Yeah. Well, half half the Rick and Morty crew is now involved in the MCU, so I kind of get it from that angle. Yeah. So this movie was written by Jeff Loveness, who is a Rick and Morty the, writer. The non-felon Rick and Morty crew, alleged felon. Sorry. Yeah, so Matt, I want to go back to something that you brought up, which is the comprehensibility, especially for general audiences, because, you know, Marvel is still, last year, Marvel was not the top dog, but they're still up there, right? It's still the main uh, general movie audience thing event to go to, right? And it makes sense, right? The movies are funny, they're exciting. You, I would say up until a certain point, you don't really need a ton of knowledge to go into them. You can just kind of watch and see the good guy beat up the bad guy or whatever. But I was watching this movie and I'm like, this is, I just can't understand everything that's going on. It's coming at me so fast and so much of it sounds so similar to stuff that we've gotten before. And I had the question of, does this matter to the casual moviegoer, right? People who are just going to a few movies a year or whatever, and Marvel is a couple of those movies. Do they well, care that, because they haven't, maybe they haven't seen Loki and they haven't seen Moon Knight and all this kind of stuff. Do they care that you can't entirely understand what's going on in the movie? Or maybe I'm just a dummy who can't understand it all. Well, no, I mean, I don't, I don't think this is the best movie to start the mcu with by any means um if you're going in completely cold because i mean it's the third ant-man movie and the 31st in the mcu so no but I don't, e even it, if you saw like even if endgame was the last one that you saw and now you're going into this like are you are you getting it yeah exactly well exactly it's 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 tough and i feel like i mean again it's basically Pop culture is most one of the most expensive serials of all time. If because you're, it's essentially like it's a, a it's dozens of films structured like a television show. I mean, we'll call it what it is. Um, so I mean, it's like going into Dexter season four, episode six, and expecting everyone to know what's going on. It's it's an increasingly difficult ask i feel like and i mean it, i don't necessarily consider that a, f 
uh, entirely the fault of the the filmmakers of this film. It's just the nature of how it's being presented, if that makes sense. I suppose so. I'm just interested in how it intersects with the commerce because these movies are still expected to be the biggest box office draws, which requires bringing in the most amount yeah. of people. And it's like, you know, not everybody sees all these movies. And I have to say, even as somebody who sees all the movies, a lot of the stuff was like, wait, what's going on? That was a very, like, fast explanation of this and that. And I'm like, I'm just lost. Well, I, I gave up trying to understand. Well, hopefully, I, ideally, I think that's that's what they're trying to remedy with the idea of the multiverse is, uh, well, you you could be a nihilist and be like, oh, well, eventually nothing's going to matter because you can just cast anyone I mean, in any that's, character. That's, that's true right now. That's, like, that's not eventual. Yeah. yeah, like, it does, nothing matters. But, but <laughs> I, I, I think that's, they're kind of digging themselves out of a hole by trying to do it because if, you know, if you're going to keep the continued single continuity, you know, that that's going to make accessibility harder and harder as the movies go on. So I think it's, it's well, the the best the best way that they could do it, I think. But why are they trying to thread it into? The, there's there's still a main universe. We're still in the main universe, and you're just trying to thread multiverses into it, into a weird effect because every movie seems to be doing stuff in the well, multiverse. Yeah, either I mean, split everything off separately. Don't try to have a main thread when there's a multiverse and anything can happen. There's no stakes. Nothing matters. It's just kind of like pointless. Well, there's, they're not they're not done with the the arc yet though, so I'm not trying to give up on it before they at least do what they're trying to do, and then once it's all but, one piece, but the, I can make my judgment then. The arc is completely separate right now. Every single movie that's been in this arc has completely existed separate of each other and has nothing to do with the other. Like, what does Thor: Love and Thunder have to do with No Way Home? I imagine they're gonna show us eventually. Well, no, but now it's just going to be they're fighting Kang, which now they've just kind of tried to bring in the bad to bring it all together. But these are all disjointed stories, so there's no reason to keep this a continuous thing if you want to keep bringing the multiverse into it. Just keep giving us random multiverse stories. Again, I think that's eventually what they're going to. Can I, can I just say something Please do, quick? please do. Bold, bold prediction right now. How much you want to bet to defeat Kang... They're going to have to bring back Captain America, Iron Man, and all the original MCU heroes. I'm calling that now. I mean... That is going to be the biggest nostalgia thing ever of like, oh my god, every Marvel hero ever is here. I mean, that's kind of the... I mean, they did it in Endgame and we all loved it. Endgame was good. And then that tied a bow and they should have just threw it away at that point. Like, wow, we ended a saga greatly. I can't wait to rehash it again. I was considering I, that perhaps Matt, go ahead. I was gonna say I don't. I don't consider it a rehash. I mean, again, it, it, even if it plays out like that, I I'm still on board for it. Like I don't. I don't care honestly if they do that, as long as they do it creatively. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. The MCU is very creative. Well, listen. That, if it of... hasn't happened yet, then how do you know? This is true. This kind of goes to what I was thinking while while I was watching the movie. I was considering this about the comprehensibility in general audiences, and I'm not at all trying to insult like the intelligence of audiences or anything. I'm just like it's it's tough to keep up with this stuff, especially if you're not like constantly reviewing all the material. 
But then I was like, you know, if you just watch this movie and you don't totally know what's going on, you could really apply this to a lot of their products. Is it enough to just know who the good guys are, who the bad guys are? There's enough crazy visuals to kind of hypnotize the audience and also families love each other. And that's enough to be satisfying, right? They still have all those elements. Scott and Cassie tell each other that they love each other about nine times in this movie. So I'm like, I, maybe that's enough. I don't know, to satisfy viewers. I don't know. Because I wasn't getting a ton I mean, out of this story. I mean, like, a lot of the context going into it, too, is the fact that he was gone for five years during the blip. This is but true. But is that context the average viewer knows? I know. I'm just saying. No, and you're not wrong. Um, but frankly, even that context didn't make me care all that much. I, I didn't care for either for that dynamic of this movie, which I thought also, was kind of limited. Also, when he came back from the blip, his daughter was a completely different person played by a different actress. <laughs> well, she's she's aged up. She's aged up. No, I mean, like, when he came back originally, it was Emma Furman playing oh, right, Cassie right, right, White, right, right, right. and then now it's Catherine Newton, so they recast yeah. her. Are we beyond the point of caring? I mean, Matt, I know that you're not. Tyler, you are. And when I say caring, I just mean, like... People talk about the stakes a lot, and it it does. It's something that I think about because the MCU really just has a hard time recognizing death. Like anytime anybody dies, they just really go to another realm where they're alive and they're in another realm, and they can just come and that's back. That's what the and... multiverse allows. <laughs> yeah, which is like fine. I'm not saying I want to see everybody die, but it's just like I, why do we have to have a character die in a lot of these movies then? And I, I'm just, I'm struggling to see the variance sometimes in stories. For instance, I'll give credit where credit's due. I thought last year in Doctor Strange and in Wakanda Forever, there were glimmers of like some interesting stories about uh, in Wakanda Forever about the two cultures teaming up against kind of the Western culture. And in Doctor Strange about Wanda being like, villain-esque right kind of magneto-esque of like you like wanda but she's kind of being the villain but now i'm just like i I just feel like i'm seeing the same stories over and over and i'm just i'm just not into it but i'll stop complaining for the moment let's let's talk about the cast because tyler as you alluded to michelle pfeiffer is really the star of this movie she is playing janet she's the one with the most experience in the quantum realm I thought her performance was probably the best. She's the only one Easily. playing it like completely straight. And so I thought like the just the consistent tone of her performance worked for her here. I'm not going to lie. It was like a little upsetting to see her and Michael Douglas in this movie. But it is what it is. I thought she was good. I would say with the exception of her and Jonathan Majors, I didn't really like anybody else. Uh, even people that I usually like. For instance, I thought I thought Paul Rudd was was okay in this. I thought the performance was quite inconsistent. When they asked him to do a certain thing, couple of things, it did not work at all. It it just like it didn't feel like Scott Lang. And this movie was like so disjointed i feel like i wasn't getting the whole of anybody if you know what i mean honestly i feel like this movie was carried by ruben rabasa i mean that was good it's just like i saw it in the trailer nine thousand times which i know it's better in the trailer it was better in the trailer it was like not played as well in the movie and i'm like i don't want to 
critique that because it was in the trailer, but it I'm not like when we see these things nine thousand times and then they come up in the movie, like it is ruined, unfortunately. And that's all we get nowadays is trailers, trailers, trailers. Like you said, Evangeline Lily as Hope as the Wasp, she's barely in this. Which I understand that Ant Man and the Wasp was kind of more about the dynamic between her and Scott and that you know, this was more about Scott and Cassie, but she was very much Buzz Lightyear in Toy Story 4 here, in which Toy Story 4 is all about Woody. It's Woody's story, and Buzz has to be in it because we come to expect Buzz, and also the Wasp is in the title, but, like, Buzz Lightyear does more in Toy Story 4 than the Wasp does in this movie. Am I wrong? So does this mean the next movie is going to be a Wasp solo movie and they're going to recast her as someone else? I don't want to recast it. I like Evangeline Lilly a lot. I just, like, maybe give her three lines. I don't don't know. (laughs) Like, I just... Matt, tell me if I'm wrong. Was it not lacking? Yeah. I mean, she was kind of sidelined. I didn't really notice, I guess. But also... Um... Maybe she was off not getting vaccinated. Okay, all right, all right. We're moving on, moving on. No, but this, it literally felt like she'd pop up and I'd be like, oh, yeah, she's in this film. Forgot. Yeah. Well, and, like, pop by pop-up, I mean, like, she'd be in the background of a shot. Yeah. Uh, Catherine Newton as the new Cassie. So, Catherine Newton, I very much like. Map of Tiny Perfect Things, one of my favorite movies from a couple of years ago. I couldn't, I couldn't take it in this movie. I'm sorry. I don't know what it was. I was. It's. It's she less was her. Atrocious. It was more this version of the character. I. I could not do it. And you have to really like buy into the character because this movie is mainly about the relationship between her and her father. And but I. I. I was not a fan of the character more so than the performance. I will say. I think the. Excuse me. The bright glimmer in this was in the beginning when. You know, it's said that Scott has kind of become complacent. Oh, yeah, he was an Avenger. He saved the universe. But now he's just, like, hanging around. And that his daughter's like, no, dude, the world is still going on. You got to keep going, right? There are other people out there with problems. And I was like, okay, I like it. I like it. And then I realized, like, oh, this is just Black Panther. Like, this is kind of the same debate, right, of isolationism or just like, okay, I'm, I'm doing my thing here. Versus like, oh, there are people out there with problems and I can help. I have to go do that. And I'm not saying it's not an issue that's worth discussing in a couple of movies. But I also thought that in this movie it was, again, kind of sidelined. Like an idea that was brought up and I was like, I like that. And then it kind of went away. Michael Douglas says, Hank, my love, Michael Douglas. He's just saying ants in this movie. They just it's every line. It's they just, just wanted him to say ants a bunch of times. He talks about socialism briefly. Yeah, I okay. They just kind of threw around the word. All right, cool. I God, I love Michael Douglas, but I'm sorry, it wasn't it in this movie, unfortunately. Not his movie though. They it was much more focused on Janet and Scott and Cassie, uh, and then a couple of like really great actors with smaller roles i thought were wasted katie o'brien who's very good and i liked her character kind of wasted in this william jackson harper wasted in this bill murray wasted in this 
Corey Stoll as Modok. I, oh, I I'm gonna I'm gonna break from you guys on this. I like Modok. I thought he was funny. Hey, fair. I thought it was incredibly off-putting, and he had the worst lines. He like, did have some cheesy lines. And this is this is his character, which I, I'll wait till we get into spoilers. All right. I did like the mask. I will say that. I liked the mask. I liked those like slug camel horse things in the very beginning, and I liked Cannon Head a lot. I don't, I don't know what Cannon Head's official name was, so I apologize. <laughs> but I did like the design of Cannon Blaster Head. What about the slug guy? Did you say the slug guy? No, in like the very beginning when it was like the cold open of Janet in the quantum realm, there were like horse bodies with slug heads. Oh no. I'm thinking of the slug guy uh that David Desmalchin voiced. Veb? Yeah. Uh I liked Veb, him. Veb had potential He had he had, a, he had polka dot man energy, obviously, because it's the same actor, but I was gonna say it, that was another thing like, is that this felt very much like James Gunn, but James Gunn was not on his game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, we'll Jonathan, see, we'll, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was gonna say we'll we'll see when James Gunn is back in a couple months. I I'm looking forward to that. Jonathan Majors as Kang. I thought he was all right. I, I he's a he's a great great fantastic actor. I'm really excited for him in Creed three. I think that looks really good. I I wasn't blown away by this, but again, I wasn't blown away by the material that he was given. I'm also like, as much as I'm fatigued by Marvel, I am very much fatigued by Marvel villains. It's like, how many galaxies can a person take over before we're like supposed to be intimidated again? You know what I mean? Well, my like I said before, my takeaway from Jonathan Majors and Kang is more of the implication of what this movie sets up than anything so much is so much as just the material of this particular movie see that's that's another thing i'm not a fan of because we like already saw thanos wipe away half the galaxy yes, and then it yes. was undone the next movie so like i don't care what the, what a kang's gonna do because it'll be undone in the next movie <laughs> right and like i so i like the thanos storyline i i even like some of the stuff where it's like the aftermath of the blip we're still dealing with in the movies, right? Mm-hmm. I thought that was well done. Now, this, I'm just like, what Like, what do you do next? He eliminated half the universe. What do you do? Now, would that, be, would that still be a complaint if this wasn't a Marvel movie, though? Yes. What do you mean? Like, if there was a movie that set something up, oh, cliffhanger, next movie comes out, cliffhanger's undone. Or well, the, no, the, the cliffhangers resolved. Like, why is that this, only in, in this same franchise? We've already seen the greatest threat. Half the universe got wiped away, and then it got undone. So the threats don't mean anything anymore in this franchise. I get yeah. what you're saying. Okay. So my my complaint is less about how soon it's undone. Because I thought all the Thanos stuff, I liked it all. No, that's fine. I'm fine with that. But I'm just saying, like, it takes away all the weight of anything. But yeah, and it's just like, we just got through this. Like, what is he... And I'm not doubting that there's more to come and we'll see what his true power is. But in this movie, like, what is distinct about him? Okay, he has, like, the multiple selves and different personas through the multiverse. And that seems interesting. But we barely see it. 
And also, like, okay, he's a conqueror. He conquers galaxies and whatever. Like, we just did that. Am I am I off base here? Yeah, but instead of purple, he's now blue. Okay. Sometimes. This is true. <laughs> I just, I don't know. It's, it's, it is kind of a stakes issue for me. I like Jonathan Majors, and I think he was good. I'm just like, throughout this whole movie, I'm like, I feel like we just saw this. We just saw this. We did. But, hey, so Loveness, who wrote this movie, said that he wants Kang to be Thanos on an exponential level, which, again, just kind of goes to what I'm saying of, like, this is the latest villain. I, whatever. I'm not going to I'm not gonna. I want him to horse. be big Thanos. Yeah, I'm not going <laughs> to beat a dead horse here. I'll move on. I There was one guy who I thought looked like Orlando Bloom and considered for a split second that it was Orlando Bloom. Um, you, guys, you guys want to take a guess as to whether or not it was him? It was not. It was Will Turner stuck in the quantum realm. Yeah, it was. Before we get to spoilers, just one one quick, was the quantum realm worth spending time in? Was this world intriguing enough on its own to have a fun it, time? It wasn't interesting at all because there was no dynamic to it. It was just a bunch of random character designs thrown together. Like, the most compelling character was like a warrior princess for some reason. <laughs> like, not, nothing blended together. So this world just felt like anywhere. Like, it felt so out of place that it didn't feel like an actual place we spent time in. It felt like ten different places that we're, that was in throughout the movie. I mean, yeah, there were more settings in this one than there were in, in Multiverse of Madness. And you would think with Multiverse <laughs> of Madness in the title... Yeah, I I mean they did have that one sequence where they're like Lego blocks and then they're paint or whatever. But yeah, I I was expecting more from multiverse, especially when they get to uh, where I think is it where Pizza Papa is and it's like the trees are just purple or something like that. Yeah, and like the, right, what the, is the, this? The red means go and green means stop or whatever. Yeah, that was that was not fantastic. I like parts of that movie. I don't hate it, but that was a bit disappointing. All right, we're going to get into spoilers now for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. So, again, I did like the Scott has become complacent storyline. I did not like the exposition dump in the beginning of, like, things are all right. And he's, like, whistling down the street. And then you learn that it's just his book. Because, like Laurie Strode's book in Halloween Ends, the book was bad. Like, it was not... <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it, it was bad. It like went through fifty events in, in the course of two pages. And you're like, Come on. Yeah, what was what was the rest of the book? Because it's revealed to be the end of the book. Yeah, so uh, what was and who, the who at an author signing is reading like the very end of the book? <laughs> well, you guys must have missed the scene where Mia Goth came up and said she was a huge fan of his work. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> now that movie I want to watch. <laughs> That's a quantum realm I would have gone to. <laughs> Never mind, I'm not going to belabor that point. And then, as I was watching, I was like, oh, this is just the Avatar 2 beginning. This is just like a lot of voiceover for a lot of events. And then just like, bam, we're in the action. And didn't like it in Avatar 2. Didn't like it here. Cassie's device leads them into the quantum realm, even though Janet doesn't want them to go. Question, guys. Would you have drunk the ooze 
if somebody told you to? Now, th- this was a point of contention with me personally. First of all, no, because what the hell? Also, like, why would Cassie say drink the ooze and not just explain what it is? <laughs> also, Cassie, wipe your mouth. <laughs> it's like all over. Looks like you took a bite out of somebody's neck. To, like, <laughs> somebody get this girl a napkin. Come on. And this, this is one of the bits where, like, this movie just repeated bits over and over again, thinking, like, it's funny because they repeated the same thing, which was also Love and Thunder. They did that many times. This is just the MCU signature now. But, like, the uh, the holes thing went on way too long and popped up, like, five more times. And I'm like, this wasn't funny to begin with. Stop making this joke. It's so stupid. I, I thought it was kind of funny. That was very much the the James Gunness. This that was like yeah. the um, polka dot man with the mom thing. Yeah, yeah, but that was much better done than any. Oh, I, I no, I completely agree. Also, did you guys do the mental calculation when he said seven holes? I did. Yes. You got yeah, it for like think... two ears, a mouth. <laughs> I think that was the point of the joke, though. Yeah, that that was fine. It was. Well, it was. Fine. They they explained that when he literally did the calculations. Like, yeah, yeah. that's right. I thought I thought that was clever. I got a chuckle out of that. It was okay. I just thought again, William Jackson Harper, who's a very good performer, all his lines were like, "Stop thinking that. Stop thinking that. Stop thinking that." That, and, that went on yeah. for like literally like three minutes straight. Yeah, I'm trying not to think that. Stop thinking it. <laughs> so funny. No, yeah, not not every bit worked, but not one bit worked. <laughs> I have to agree. Uh, especially Lord Krylar, that cameo coming in of Bill Murray, the only thing that I liked about it, because all of his lines were just completely negligible and unfunny, is that it, again, even even in his later years, this set up sexual conflict for Michael Douglas in a movie, because now he has a sexual rival in Lord Krylar. And I love that they're sticking to that theme with Michael. That was the value in the scene for me. Other than that, I I was like, total like they didn't even have like the humor of the web scene in this. It was just like muted and not good. I, I especially but he drank I, a squid. Look, I especially didn't like the part where he held Ant Man over the trash can and said, "Trash belongs in the trash." Uh, so we learned that this this flashback that. Janet helped Kang rebuild his multiversal power core after he was banished to the quantum realm. I thought this was a case of two good actors doing good work with very mediocre material. I liked the way that they were saying everything to each other. I thought that was all good. Uh, The scene did not move me because I wasn't entirely sure what they were saying the whole time. So I... I have hope for the acting of this. Uh, Scott and Kang making a deal, making that trade was fine, but my problem came when Kang reneges on the deal, right? And then Scott grows big. And then gives the stupidest speech that was not at all like the feeling that he should have had. He's like, like, our word is our bond. Yeah, what was that? That's so out of place. First of all, he should be mad that his daughter is being held hostage. Not that, like, we had a deal. <laughs> what are you Without talking about? That, we are He's nothing. The villain. You knew he was a villain. <laughs> I'm like, what? 
it was so weird because like why did that come into play it should not have at all <laughs> a man's word is all he has <laughs> i think the writer just had this like he, someone reneged on like a deal and he just like he had to throw that in <laughs> Speaking of passive aggressive, the guy who came in, we were all sitting down at the end of the row. Oh, God, I forgot about that guy. A man comes in with his daughter. And so, like, I saw him out of the corner of my eye. And he, but, like, correct me if I'm wrong. He looked like he was searching for his correct seat. He did Correct. not look like he was looking to get into the row. He was not. No. He did not spend any time at a row. He literally walked up looking around and then like did his passive aggressive, well, I guess I'll go to the other side. But There's he no reason to try to He stood there for like two seconds though. We didn't we didn't even have time to get up before we realized right. that two he was seconds like, is generous. <laughs> He's so like long. so he says Oh, it's fine. We'll we'll go around. There's nobody in the row, but we can just walk all the ra- around. It's cool. And I'm like, Okay, thanks. Also, there were like six people in this theater, including us. So, like, why would that have? Even, why should that have even been a big deal anyway? Right. I, if you <laughs> if he was not upset about it, he would have said nothing. But clearly, he was upset. Yeah. So, yeah, you're right. Maybe Loveness had like a, a bone to pick with somebody. <laughs> Definitely did. Never returned his Imagine Dragon CD, and he's like, "What? What is this? You said three days. You said you our would." <laughs> yeah, and that—that's that just like it was so out of place. I was not a so, fan of that. Someone was definitely th- sitting in a theater somewhere. Saw that scene, and was like, "Jeff's still not over this. It's been thirty years." <laughs> I needed to listen to Believer again. I'm sorry, Jeff. <laughs> All right, and then the ants beat up Kang. Cool. The ants were cool. I like the ants. That's, that's the lamest thing. First of all, they they rise the Skywalker this movie twice with the when he's like about to beat Scott or whatever. I forget what he's doing. And then like all the ships show up. I'm like, that's literally just. I turned to you and was like, this is just Rise of Skywalker. And then they do it again with ants five minutes later. <laughs> yeah, and then Scott and Janet share an inappropriate kiss at the end of the movie. <laughs> no, but uh, are we? Did we name spoilers? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we did. Oh, I I, so, A while ago, I was seething with rage over this film that I didn't even notice it. I just want to bring up Darren Cross because this is what I think MCU has devolved to. You brought back this character. And instead of giving him, like, an arc at all, you gave him an arc, which was totally unearned. He literally was, like, told, don't be a dick, and that changed his villainous ways. That was it. Like, try not being a dick. And he's like, oh, okay, now I'm a good guy. But, like, they play his entire character off for comic relief, which, like, you brought him back for that. Like, just the cameo and to make it a joke. They even made a parody of, like, him dying... Like, they made that a joke, and it just felt so bizarre. Like, I was like, is anyone in this character taking anything seriously? The the thing is, I guess the thing that bothered me most about that, more than anything, is that they basically burnt out, or they, you know, they burned MODOK in order to do so. MODOK, who has, like, a whole, whole, who, you know, should have been more than just relegated to a bit part like that. Right, Yeah. yeah. 
as Modoc a character. is a much better character in the comics than that. Like, literally, he's just comic relief, and then it's just every character reacting to be like, oh my god, every time they see him. Yeah. Which, I, I thought that was funny. That would probably would have been funny even if it wasn't Modoc. Like, I don't know. I thought I thought it was goofy. I thought it was silly. I thought it was funny, but I also, also yeah. I, oh. Again, with like what they do with the, a lot of their villains, they they'll bring in like a really cool villain with like a really cool backstory, and then either sideline them or they'll just sort of one note them and then kill them at the end of the movie, like Gore the God Butcher. Like Gore the God. I was yeah. yes, yeah. <laughs> yes. That's exactly the same. Yes. Gore um, Gore the God who butchers off screen. Is what his name should have been. <laughs> he may or may not butcher gods. We don't know. We saw one. <laughs> um, this guy said that he butchers gods, so... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, it's another thing that I think the MCU, MCU does a lot, which is just, like, make fun of the absurdity of their characters, yes. which is bizarre. Like, the, how many times do they make fun of their characters' names? This is over and over. Doc, the Doctor Strange joke, which was genuinely funny. That's the only time it worked. In, in Endgame, or yeah. Infinity War, when he's like, when he says Doctor Strange, like, oh, well, you're, we're using our made-up names? The only time I actually thought that worked. You have in No Way Home, where they're like, I'm Doc Ock, and they burst out laughing. And then in this, when they do MODOK, and he figures out what it means, he's like, oh, haha. I'm like, this is stupid. Stop doing this. All these characters are ridiculous. If you keep doing this... That's going to be all these movies are. It we would, get they're ridiculous. It would have been funny if he had said, I was formerly known as Anakin Skywalker. I would have <laughs> laughed at that. Yeah, I, I agree. I They didn't do it too much in this movie, but they did it a little bit. And I was like, I don't know. I, again, maybe it's just not for me, but I'm like, please stop with this. It, it's too much. The Modoc stuff, I agree, could have been a very cool character is just like used as a punching bag in the movie. Tyler, what did I do when he is having that very awful discussion with Cassie? You took the pencil you were taking notes with and very angrily snapped <laughs> I it. I did. <laughs> it was uh, very unlike me, but I just like I this, snapped a pen. I like, oh god. I this was the worst for both characters. Catherine Newton, who was not good in this movie. No. What this scene, oh my god, she was terrible. Have you tried not being a dick? I'm not even going to blame it on dick. her. It's not even her fault. It's the worst writing. So bad. I thought that's what you did. I thought I heard you break your pencil, but I'm like, nah, nah. That See, could have been. <laughs> I, I wanted to laugh out loud, but I held my laughter in because I didn't want people to think I was laughing at that. Yeah, you really, I'm, I was impressed. You were rocking all over the seat. I didn't want to audibly laugh and people were like, oh, he's laughing at that. I was laughing this, at that. I don't give a care. I don't give a I, crap. I will say, this was like the quietest showing of a Marvel movie I've ever seen. Aside from a few chuckles and like one person clapped after the credits, there was such a lukewarm reception to this film. Like, yeah. everyone just kind of stood up quietly and, like, shuffled out. I feel, well, I feel like, Mo, again, going back to Modoc, I feel like his reveal should have been a much bigger deal than it was. Yeah, I agree. Also, just yes. the things that they allowed him to do afterwards should have been substantial. Yeah. As opposed to just, like, oh, his little reversal at the end. And then, again, like, like 
what are they trying to do? Is it a parody when they have him dying and he's going, oh, me and Scott, brothers to the end. But they're they're playing this sad music behind it. Like, I understand the comedic intention, but like to get on with it. It's not funny. Come on, keep going. But who is? Humor is subjective, so keep on doing what you're doing if people enjoy it. So going through the portal, another fight with Kang because... Surprise, surprise, Kang's not done yet. Everybody's through the portal but Scott. And then we get the second time that the Wasp comes in and saves him. The first time being when he is at the core and there's all those different Scots. And then she just comes in. So twice in the same movie, they just have her swoop in at the last second and save Scott. Which is the extent of what she gets to do in the movie. And this this scene is awful because like they get she jumps back in and he's like you came back for me the portal closes and I'm like oh they're stuck in the quantum realm and then they're like nope they just opened the portal again I'm like oh, okay <laughs> all right <laughs> yeah I got nothing for I that I guess one. there was yeah there was no sacrifice made whatsoever it's kind of like all right let's go <laughs> they all could have went back yeah. <laughs> We were inconvenienced there for a minute, but eh, it's all good. So they return home, and Scott worries about Kang coming back. I thought that, like, again, that end voiceover was like, this just feels, like, lazy lazy. to me. It's just like, we all know Kang's coming back, and Scott's voicing, he's like, oh, is is Kang going to come back? I, I I don't know. It's like, okay. Whatever. Was he doing the Jiminy Cricket voice? <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know if he's coming back. Kang's <laughs> kind of a, a rude dude. I don't. I don't want to deal with him. Get... I don't know, Pinocchio. He drank some uh, root beer and turned yeah. into a donkey in the Smoke Monsters. <laughs> and then Geppetto's a more compelling villain than this. Geppetto's over here. Pinocchio, Pinocchio. I'm gonna set you outside. You gotta, you gotta stay away from Kang, though. <laughs> I. No, no thank you on this. That was not my favorite ending. The mid credit scene, we get the different versions of Kang. Okay, fine. Let, let's see what happens. Did, did not improve the movie for me. And then the end credit is uh, Loki and Mobius spotting one of the Kang variants. Matt, did this do anything uh, for you? Either of the credit. Well, we didn't stay for the post credit because I thought it no, was going to be like a trailer for the loki season two and i didn't feel like sitting in the theater longer than i already had um but again the mid-credits i like the implication there i like the seed that it's planting that hopefully will pay off you know we'll get jonathan majors playing kang and all these wacky and wild different variants it could be a lot of fun could give him a chance to show some range as an actor maybe i i mean i'm I'm excited for it yeah all right that's well that's that's that. that That's Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Uh, What's coming up is interesting because we do have Guardians 3, a movie that I am genuinely looking forward to because I think... (laughs) too, shockingly. I think that a story will be told about the Guardians. You know know what I mean? And so I'll enjoy that. The Marvels... uh, Nia DaCosta is doing that one, so it's in good hands... However, we saw what happened when a Marvel movie was put in the hands of Chloe Zhao. Yeah, I was just about to say. 
I'm not saying that was a disaster, but it, or, it wasn't good. Or Sam good. Raimi. Or Sam Raimi. Like, or Taika like, Waititi. Or Taika, well, at, let's, <laughs> or Ragnarok Henry, was great. Or... <laughs> Ryan Coogler. Well, I get, like, the thing about Taika and Ryan Coogler is that they made great Marvel movies. And then the, the ones that came after were just not that great. Um, but, yeah. The director so... of this movie... Peyton Reed, yeah. Peyton Reed. But again, he, he had made the Ant-Man movies, which, you know, are better than this. But isn't that a sign of bad things that, like, even directors who have succeeded in this universe are making <laughs> god-awful films now in this universe? Tyler, you don't have to convince me that this that this is going downhill. <laughs> I'm right there I, with you. Listen, I don't see it as going... Well, I see it as a slump. I don't necessarily see it as there's never going to be a return to greatness no and i'm not it saying might take that a little, i think it's just gonna take a little time yeah i'm not saying that i'll never enjoy a marvel product again in fact i liked a couple of the movies in phase four you know like i want to see shang chi come back but i guess i'm just wondering is it possible that marvel transitions from being the premier general entertainment of the day to Maybe not niche. I don't think it's ever going to be niche, but maybe like a little bit smaller, more concentrated. Is, I, is, I think yeah. that's going to happen. I mean, especially once James Gunn kind of does what he does with DC, if it goes for the better for them, you know, because then there will be more competition too. Yeah, that's true. That's a I, good point. Quality competition, hopefully. You know what? I don't care how bad the MCU gets. It will all be worth it for me if... Like, as Kang is about to do something, it's actually revealed that the real big bad is Dwayne The Rock Johnson as Black Adam. No. <laughs> the power structure of the MCU. It's going to be Flat Stanley. <laughs> yeah, so we got those coming up. Uh, New World Order. I'm excited to see what Anthony Mackie can do with that. I like him a lot. Thunderbolt's Blade. Uh, the Blade production seems a little bit troubled so i don't know what's going on with that you know what the ant-man the first ant-man production was troubled too though okay and yeah i really like that so i don't think the movie's gonna be bad i just like this is this is kind of interesting and then uh, are you guys in on deadpool 3 or the whole no, deadpool I, I, thing I, I, I yes don't care for ryan reynolds <laughs> yes 100 percent. yes i you know, what, you know what's gonna make the me like the mcu bringing and Reynolds to it. Yeah, it's going to win me yeah. over. <laughs> I will say, I didn't hate him in a Spirited. So it's a step forward for, for me and Ryan. And you know what? I This was the one time in my life that I was not excited to hear that Hugh Jackman was going to be in something. I'm like, can you please not be Wolverine again? <laughs> like, you did it so perfectly. And Matt, it was the same issue that you had with Patrick Stewart in... Uh, multiverse of madness well, well that's the thing i do have to kind of retract that statement because of how excited i am that hugh jackman's coming back no so, i'm really not he had a perfect ending yeah no like let it back. no please don't hugh hugh is so yeah but we so never got talented. to see we never got to see him inter interact with the correct version of deadpool i just i don't be honest i just that's, don't care that's fine no i don't either i really don't Hugh, you're so t like just. I mean, do whatever you want, but I I just want to see Hugh and other things. He's no such Hugh, a good you actor. can't do it. I'm not letting you. Yeah, <laughs> imagine if I was the one. To... 
to Greenland. Well, the rumor is too that Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen might be coming back too. Stop! Stop! <laughs> the rumor is every single person who's ever been in a Marvel film is coming back now. So the, just like they were for Doctor. <laughs> I want to talk about two big properties, and I guess I'll do this one first because you guys mentioned it. I love L O V E the x-men movies from earlier this century i love them and i even love the kind of later james mcavoy all that i mean a couple of them are pretty yeah the the first (laughs) started out good good. yeah they did days of future past i think is great a great movie oh incredible from the Um, same director as the 355 (laughs) and writer yeah (laughs) equally as good films (laughs) I don't want to be such a coward, but I'm like I I don't even know if I want to see the X Men come back in this in the no, under this uh, n- this studio. I'm just like I love them so much. I don't know if I want to see them in this setting. Uh, do you guys? I I have no desire. You, you already know my answer. I'm optimistic until I'm proven otherwise. All right, I think that's a good attitude to have and. The other one I want to mention is, do you guys think that the Fantastic Four is really like going to be as huge as a lot of people seem to think? When is it slated to come out? Have they given a date yet? Oh, I just... Time frame? Next year, I think? 24? And they haven't announced any of the cast Might yet? be 25, no, I'm be not a, sure. This is going to be abysmal. Um, are you guys a fan of the first two fantastic four movies from no because back in no the day. one is no I, one is uh i was gonna say i am actually a little bit oh then one person I was, as a, I was as a kid let me let me let me uh clarify i like the first one as a kid i don't remember ever seeing the second one i do remember honest. seeing the second one and i think i've mentioned it before and it's the first movie that i remember sitting there as a child and being like I just want this to be done so that I can leave. However, I was also very moved by one part of it. So currently, Fantastic Four is slated for February of 25. Uh, so it's going to be quite a long time. They uh, they really dropped the ball. They should have released it on 4-4-24. Yeah, they really should have. So I, I don't know. I think we'll, we'll see how that is everything's up in the air this particular movie you guys know how we feel about any final thoughts on any of this stuff or are we good to go disney let me do it i'll do it Uh, you can rub your hands clean of it you look the other way i'll bring this franchise behind the back of the barn and i'll put it out of its misery (laughs) you can wipe your hands (laughs) i mean they're still bringing in nine gazillion dollars every year so i think it's i don't think they want their not all money's good money no, oh, these guys on this podcast didn't like our movies. Let's yeah. just stop what we're doing. I, that, I don't <laughs> think anyone quit. liked that movie. Let's just pull I don't the plug. think anyone liked that movie. It's not just me. The silver screensavers <laughs> didn't like it. Feige's like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Feige doesn't care. He's like, he's like, yeah, that's greenlit. Fine. I don't care that someone took a <laughs> on a piece of paper. That's fine. Let's send it. Print money. Okay, I should have made this this caveat at the beginning of the of this episode. It's all in good fun. Nobody's really mad here. It's fine. Feige's gonna come up to us, butcher our names, and be like, "Haha, your name sounds silly." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. 
that. What do you shoot suit, webs out of your suit, butt? <laughs> suit event. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, if you, the listener, have any strong thoughts about Quantum Mania, you can write to us at silverscreensaverspod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ScreensaversPod, and our Facebook is Silver Screen Savers Podcast. Matt, where can you be found online? You can find me at MattyXSturds, S-T-U-R-D-Z. That's on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd. Tyler. Find me on Instagram and Twitter at Tyler Sutkiss and on Letterboxd at Tyler96. All right, well, thank you all so much for being here. It was a great discussion. We'll see you next time. You know what? Martin Scorsese didn't go far enough in his comments on the MCU. Stay down to bone. <laughs> Silver Screen Savers podcast is hosted and produced by Michael Gallett, Tyler Sukkis, and Matt Sturdivant, with additional editing by Matt Sturdivant. Intro music by Charles Michelle via Pixabay. Logo designed by Nathan Seidel.